Greetings, fellow investigators, and welcome back to our video podcast, Into the Darkness, where my friends and I play the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. I'm your host, Tom Rayleigh. Our campaign is The Curse of Nineveh. It was written by Mike Mason, Mark Latham, Scott Dorward, and Paul Fricker, and it's available from the Chaosium website. I'm the GM, and this is episode 13. Our recap will be given by John Byer. So, without any further delay, let's continue our journey into the darkness. John? Thank you, Tom. You know, for the longest time, I thought of myself and my staff as one of the most formidable non-military groups in London. Yesterday has exposed a new force in our group of investigators. Reginald's unorthodox fighting style, a clumsy yet effective form of jujitsu, was instrumental in securing one of the tablets from the shadowy specter that had been wreaking havoc on the collections of antiquities throughout the area. The other tablet was taken by the Shadow to the home of Belifius Ginger. After extensive discussion, exhaustive debate, and the juicing of multiple crows, we finally entered the home where we squared off against the entity face to face. Armed with the scroll gifted us by the Children of Tranquility, Vadim channeled his inner mage and was able to hold and ultimately banish the specter while the rest of us plundered the remaining tablet, couple of books, and a partial translation before calling it a night. A fine and productive day in my opinion. After a well-deserved night's sleep, we have reconvened at the Wentworth, where we join our investigators now. Excellent. So, you are in possession of the four tablets um, that were stolen uh, and the children of Tranquility want them back. I believe they said that they wanted to meet you at Trafalgar Square. Was that it? I believe so. For giving them, giving it to them. Yes. So, the, we'll say that's an hour away. The deadline I was given, <clears throat> gentlemen, um, is uh, this noon at Trafalgar Square. Um, the uh, children of tranquility want all of them. Uh, and he uh, obliquely was threatening, of course. Um, what say you all about this possibility? I'm fine with giving these things away. If they've already had them for a thousand years, let them have them for a thousand more. It's hammer time. Yeah, I'm tempted. I have two temptations. One is to translate the things before we hand them over or destroy them, which increasingly seems unwise to me. Uh, the other possibility is, yeah, simply, I, I am also tempted to, to prevent them from having access to them as well. As far as we know, they don't know where this temple was until it was disturbed, I think. So they might have wanted these things for the last, you know, countless generations. And then we'll have an army of red turban shadows assassinating whoever they think is an infidel. Well, my thought on it is this ginger turned himself into this, for lack of a better word, a ghost or specter or whatever it was. Let's just say somebody else out there knows how to do that. Maybe there was some other scrolls or magic we don't know about. And we destroy the only thing that can stop it. 
now you, you see where I'm going? Let yes. them, they know about it. Let them protect it. Let them use it if it needs to be used. I don't know why. I don't trust them with my life, but I'll trust them with that. I've got a thought. Well, first of all, nobody heard from Vadim, right? No. No. So perhaps he's just exhausted after uh, his heroic efforts last night wrestling with something inhuman. He didn't look we too should, good. No, we should look in on him uh, before the day's out, certainly. Um, here's another thought. Uh, because, it, uh, you know, I was pretty lucky to translate reasonably accurately the chest that the tablets were in and the, in the museum basement. Um, and I've got an interesting new uh, lexicon that will help me translate more cuneiform, but it's, I can't do it before this afternoon. And I'm not particularly eager to have my hands and feet cut off. Uh, so one option is that I take a rubbing of each tablet now so that I can translate them so that if we do find another shadow person, we have the incantation or whatever, the instructions to battle it that we lacked in this case. And then, you know, uh, Fuller can take a hatchet to the damn things or we can deliver them on time. Or both. Fuller could take a hatchet to the things and we could deliver the pieces to them. My I don't know. Yes, go ahead. My thought is this. We've toted these things around and fought with them. It's been a real pain in our ass for several days at least, maybe more, most likely more. And if giving them these tablets will get this entire faction out of our hair and close the chapter on on them being a part of our investigation, then I think that's a, that's a fair price. Give them the tablets, give them what they want. We can get our rubbings, of course, because I think that'd be very helpful down the road. But why keep them in our life if we can get what we want, give them what they want, plus get rid of them? So... Uh, without Vadim being present to vote, it looks uh, about three to one to hand them to the okay. children. Question for you. If mm -hmm. you decide to give them back, do we also return the golden statue? See, that's what I was going to say. I'd rather have them on our good graces in case we need them to help get rid of this curse. At least we have a working relationship with them. I don't think we should give them the statue yet. I, I mean, I don't know how much more nightmares I can take, but if anybody will know how, what to do with it, they will. So we, we let's use this transaction as a, like a, fir, uh, even though we've met them before, but let's see how this goes down first. Then we can think about giving them the. Now it's Vadim who last, who's holding it currently, is it not? Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't, we can, unless we want to uh, hurry to his place and, and rouse him, we can't do it today anyway. But if anybody deserves to be driven mad by these, this plague of night terror, it's the people who cut off the hands and feet of their enemy. You know, I know that Vadim was the last one in quote-unquote possession of it, but I thought we were storing it here at the club. Nope. Okay. And okay. even so, there's, you know, the thing has some 
seeming chain of authority. Because when I put it in the bank, it wasn't in my home, but it was still me who was plagued. The tablet was stored here. Mm -hmm. Right. I should also say that last night's none of you slept very well. Mm. Yeah, it's not surprising. Um, here's one other possibility, not to confuse things unnecessarily, but we could return uh, the, uh, again, I'm gonna, as soon as we're done talking, I'm gonna make rubbings of each tablet. Um, and then if uh, we could consider Fuller could smash the hell out of one of them, especially one of the ones that causes the transformation. And then we could hand them the intact three and the pieces of the fourth or some piece and say, well, it was destroyed in the process of liberation. But again, Fuller, the, the Udin fellow said that destroying the things was not as easy as it seemed. And given the curse on the statuette, it might be that you incur some, well, at least you'd be at risk in some fashion that we don't understand. It, let's say he destroys them and then we have another curse on us. And then mm -hmm. we also uh, anger this turban group. I think if we, in good grace, do what we said we were going to do, give them back the tablets, if we need them to get rid of this golden idol curse, at least we have some working relationship with them. If we turn around and destroy it, we anger them in some way, they might what? not be willing to help us. They might what? just let us suffer. What what working relation do we have with them? They want the tablets, and if we don't give them to us, they cut off our hands and feet. Not really a working. That's not working for me. Yes, although I will say uh, that uh, the point is made that they appear to be extremely competent and efficient group. So if uh, we can change, and the relationship has changed from their randomly killing people in the night to they're approaching us in daylight on the street and saying, this is our demand. So if we continue improving in that direction, and they're not just, you know, hopelessly insane infidels, which is entirely a possibility, but there may be an argument for improving that relation. All right. So I'm off to make rubbings after I finish this tea. Um, that you can do. You make four rubbings. And they go into the safe. Okay. Make make two of each. Yeah, there's time. I thought of that as well. Duplicate. Yeah. Sure. Thank I think you. if I do the rubbing with the carbon paper, I can get two in one go. Okay. <clears throat> so. What are you going to do? So it's half an hour before you're supposed to deliver them. Mm -hmm. You're gonna take them. You're gonna deliver them. You're gonna smash them. What are you gonna do? Could we not smash them? That's just me asking. Just give them a good. Four. They are ancient antiquities. They yeah. are, although they're hardly going to be studied or displayed in a museum. They're going to be hidden away by these red turban maniacs. But they're valuable. They're beautiful objects. Well, maybe in a hundred years or a thousand years. Go ahead. Sorry. To coin a phrase, here's a question. <laughs> Sorry, I tickled myself. Okay. Is anybody outside of London hurt 
by the things that are happening right now with us? I'd say probably not. So if we give these tablets away and we distance ourselves from them, who's the wiser? No reason to bust them up and, and just be assholes about it. Just give them their stuff. Let them go about their lives. We go about ours. Because right now in Nebraska, nobody cares about a shadow man breaking old shit. Am I on the right track here? You guys follow yeah. my thinking? I hope I'm not just out of, out of the park here. No, I agree. That's what I'm saying. Let's just turn yeah. it over, try and improve our relations with them. I think we might, we actually might need them more than we realize at this point. Cause yeah. Although they seem to find us very convenient as well. Go and fight the shadow demon for us while we lurk about well in, in well-cut suits. They do sneaking have nice up suits. on people. They do. They do. And they're very good at breaking into expensive homes. Mm-hmm. Now, Felix, the only reason that I'm tempted to, to attempt to destroy them is because it's taking away a capacity that humans shouldn't have is in itself a good thing. Imagine, for example, that in a couple of decades, somebody invented a new kind of bomb that was thousands of times more destructive than anyone before it. And you could retain that information or destroy it. I think it would be ethical to destroy it. Um, Although the shadow creature was also falling apart even before we crow-blooded it. It was already being tattered. So maybe these things are only a minor terror to begin with. At any rate, I'm satisfied that uh, handing them over will be a relief to me and productive for us as a group. Do you think you could change the wording on it since you have a book that has any that has a translation? So, whereas maybe the maybe the symbol on there means five milked crows or juiced crows, you could just change that instead of five. It would be three. They'd never know the difference. You're I destroying it. You're just tweaking it a little bit. But any alteration to an ancient object would look modern. Yeah, I was going to say, I was, yeah, I think. There's no uh, Yes, correct. Yeah, if I chipped a new couple of lines in the kineoform, they're not going to look, they're going to stand out. Okay. And like I said, I, I think, uh, I'm usually shoot first, ask questions later. I'd rather have these guys in my pocket than against me. And let's not do anything to, let's, we did agree when we took the scroll, we made an agreement with them. Let's keep the agreement. Yeah. It's going to be weird being a man of my word for once. Yes. All right. So you've kind of... Anyone want to come with? Oh, absolutely. I'm not going to let you go alone. I'm not going yeah, to be right now. Yeah, if you want to shadow if you're like, I think that's a good idea. They certainly shadow us. Yep. So I'm actually going to drop... I'll drop back probably two blocks from where you're going. Hopefully they've only dropped back one. So it's a, we're basically on a counter, a, a counter of a counter here, so. Yeah. But I'll definitely and, be around. Uh, I'm gonna wrap them in brown paper and put them into a leather satchel. Okay. All right, so it only takes you a little while to travel to Trafalgar Square. There's quite a few people walking around, milling around. Um, I 
didn't look it up, but I assume there's maybe a statue or something there. And I think Lord Nelson. Okay. So it seems like a good meeting spot. And uh, you head over and stand near that. And after you're there for only a couple of minutes, uh, you notice uh, Azar walking towards you uh, in his suit. And he actually has a case in his hands. Because uh, I guess you, you figure he figured that he'd need to carry them in something. Uh, but he walks up to you and he says, Ah, gentlemen. He says, Good, I'm glad you decided to cooperate. May I have the uh, tablets, please? Just, just out of curiosity, um, so there's four tablets. Are we talking, you know, the size of a TV guide? Are we talking big? They're maybe a foot by a foot and a half, and maybe uh, maybe that thick. Two so it's going to be hard for one person to carry all four. Well, they're in a they, satchel. They they probably weigh about forty pounds total. I, I don't don't scientific me on that, but. <laughs> just a question. It was just a question. They're that big, they'd probably weigh a lot more, but let's just say. Yeah, it's still, it was just a question for general knowledge. Yeah. Well, it's clay and not stone, so. Right. You muted, Dave. We certainly traveled in a vehicle. It's not like I was lugging them across Correct. town on the subway. Correct. Yeah. May I have the tablets, please, gentlemen? Yes, again, I would like your assurance that these are going to be uh, removed from availability Absolutely. Uh, in, in perpetuity. And under those circumstances, I, I give them to you willingly. Lug the thing to him. What did and he bring to carry them? The same sort of a case, something he could put them into. Uh, he uh, sets it down on the, on the ground, sets his case next to it and uh, opens up your case and takes a quick glance at each particular one, you know, if he has to unwrap it a little bit. Um, and uh, he puts them in his own case. He doesn't want to take your case. And he says, um, oh. go ahead. Well, first of all, while he's doing that, I'm looking around to see his four accomplices and whether anybody's pointing a blow gun at me. You don't see anybody. I wouldn't. Um, so I assume we'll hear from you again when you think us useful. Well, I certainly hope that we'll be able to work together again at some point, perhaps under better circumstances. Now that you bring that up, um, just been running into some really odd things as of late. And uh, would there be a way I could contact you if I have some further information? None whatsoever. However, I would suggest that you keep out of things. There are dangerous forces that are moving here in London right now, and we're doing our best to stop them. And yet you wanted us very much involved with things on this occasion. As I said, at the risk we, of our own lives. We were involved in something far more dangerous than this. It took our resources away from us. Yours was an unexpected matter that needed to be dealt with, and we figured you could handle it. So there are matters 
ongoing that you anticipated? I'm not sure what you mean by anticipated. Well, you said this was an unexpected matter. There are other things happening that you expect. Yes. Do you have some sort we of know, prophecy? We know, what, we know what's been stolen from us. And we know what we need to recover. The, uh, the libraries of Nineveh had a great many dangerous things in them. Some more dangerous than others. So I assume you're interested in Thompson. Mr. Thompson is part of the problem, but he's also a very public figure. He says, I'm sure you are aware of some of the first actions of the Brotherhood that they Correct. took here. I would like to apologize and say perhaps they were a bit oversighted. Uh, our ways are ancient and our methods are uh, honed in the heat of the desert. It says uh, London needs to be treated in a more civilized manner. And that's why I bring up the fact that if there's a way to contact you, because I have or have had direct access to uh, Thompson. Well, let me suggest this then. If you need to contact us, uh, place an ad in the newspaper. Like we did previously, but got no response. Is there a, is there a um, particular... Why don't you forgive the, use the word tranquility in your sentence? And uh, that will draw attention. We'll, we'll make contact with you. Now, gentlemen, I have to leave. Thank you very much. Uh, I hope I can see you all again sometime. And he closes up his bag and he picks it up and he turns around and just walks away. Have a good day. I'm sure we'll be seeing you soon. No question. Well, uh, we didn't get stabbed. I, I haven't been poisoned. Were. So that went as well as we could expect. And I frankly find that, wouldn't call it an apology, but the acknowledgement of the barbarity of their previous behavior is a hopeful sign. I feel that they are, now I use this word loosely, an honorable organization. I don't, they did what they had to do. I'm not condoning their actions, but as you see, you know, and this is as we're walking back to meet Felix and, and Fuller, we took some, or at least I took some questionable actions to get us to this point. So, I mean, I can't really judge. If they yes. are truly protectors of the Temple of Naboo and it was robbed, if somebody came to my house and took my stuff, I might not cut their hands off, but I'm throwing them in the Thames. So, Well, and uh, whatever else we might say about this organization, uh, we have firsthand experience that shows us that there were dangerous things at the library at Nineveh. So, exactly. Extreme they, things, and they took extreme measures to get them back. I, I'm not faulting them. If we're pushed that far, you, you've seen what I've done already, so I, I, can't, I can't point the finger without pointing it back at myself. Now, let's say we um, 
pay a visit to our friend Vadim and see whether he's merely overslept or is in some greater strait. Absolutely. And I'm sure at this point we've already met up with Felix and Fuller. Felix, did you see anybody suspicious? Well, I would say nope. Didn't see a thing. Um, I was actually going to tail the guy when he left, but uh, I didn't get there in time. I I didn't have a good enough angle to get behind him, so he kind of slipped away from me. Yeah, he's a slippery fellow. He, they're slick. So it's like, he, it's like he turned a corner and then he just wasn't there. Yep. He could have gone into a building. He could have gotten into a vehicle. He could have gone down into the subway. He could have done a lot of things by the time he got there. So, yeah. yeah. He could have pulled off his human suit. Um, <laughs> Turned into a lizard and walked away. Yeah. I was thinking a small dog would be inconspicuous. So, uh, off to Vadim's. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. So you arrive at Vadim's uh, a little after uh, one o'clock. And the bell? Mm -hmm. Well, that's what it sounds like. I don't know if Vadim is running the game at this point. <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, short, time after, um, short time after you ring the bell. Um, a uh, gentleman opens the door, well-dressed. Um, doesn't look like a manservant, per se, but kind of get that uh, impression off of him. Good day, sirs. How are you? Very well, thank you. Uh, we are uh, fellow club members of Mr. Gamontov. Um, ah, yes. Montreux we expected club, to yes. see him at the club today and did not. Is he unwell? I'm afraid he is at this time rather unwell. He's... Uh, He's been in a study for quite some time, as he usually is when he is under under pressure, as it were. My impression is that he spends a great deal of time in the study under the best of circumstances. Is he uh, seeing visitors? Uh, for you gentlemen, he would be more than happy to see you. Although I do uh, warn you, he is a little bit on uh, edge. Thank you. I, it's. It's not surprising. We've all been actually under a bit of strain. Yes, well, I haven't seen him like this in quite some time. He is, um, I, I would just give you fair warning that he is of not good sorts. Has he been eating? No, he has not. Do you know if he slept uh, fact, at all? Uh, no, he's not. He has not been uh, in his normal routines here for quite some time. And last night was perhaps, shall we say, uh, worse than usual. Mm. Well, thanks for admitting us. Come on in, please. All right, so you go through the very, very nice uh, foyer and into the uh, middle of the house. And uh, are they taking dire you directly to uh, you, Vadim? Yes, uh, the, the gentleman uh, takes you over to uh, uh, Vadim's, uh, uh, what you would assume is Vadim's study. And... Uh, does a slight knock on the door. Uh, sir, uh, your uh, compatriots from the Wentworth Club are here. Um, as you uh, instructed, uh, shall I let them in? Da, let them in. He opens the door. 
Uh, gentlemen, if you sh shall need me, uh, feel free to call. Uh, I, my, my apologies. My name is uh, Spencer Brewster. I am, uh, shall we say, um, an assistant to, um, uh, to uh, Mr. Gamatov. Thank you. Nice to meet you. Good to meet you all. Um, how does Vadim look? Uh, you come in. Um, his uh, study uh, is is a mess. It's um, all kinds of papers all over the place. Uh, looks like he's been doing notes. He has the um, you know pictures, diagrams, uh, string going to to things there. Um, blackboard uh, there with lots of would look to be uh, mathematical equations. Um, you know, kind of looks like he's actually been working on stuff and scribbling a lot of notes, piles of uh, hastily scrawled notes are, are on his desk and he's uh, sitting there uh, playing with a uh, bit of whiskey and you see a bottle of, uh, of scotch on the table and he looks like heck, doesn't look like he's changed or anything, his collar's out, he's, he's looking, he's kind of, he's kind of, in his thoughts. Uh, he does kind of notice you, but he's still very much in his thoughts. Whiskey. And, I would have thought vodka. How are you doing, Vadim? Gentlemen, hello. I am not well. I'm not going to lie. Mm. You are looking a bit sallow, um, but you're oh. working. Have you found anything of use? Also, you notice that on the, on the, um, desk is the statue. Mm. I have found quite a bit to use. And um, more than I would have liked to have uh, experienced. Mm. This whole business is bad. There's a saying that they have, uh, be careful what you wish for. Mm -hmm. Also, another saying, uh, may you live in interesting times. Both have, um, shall we say, visited me in, in quite a big way. Yes, so you, you're in need of uh, some rest, I should think. Mm, rest. I don't know if I could get the rest. Well, we could take this damn thing off your hands. We've yes, turned over the yes, we've do, turned do over the ahead. tablets to the children of tranquility, as they call themselves, and I think we have a better understanding with them than we have had before. We were also discussing turning that damned thing over to them. Is that uh, in keeping with what you've learned? I do not trust them. Yet I want to learn more from them. Gentlemen, that scroll they gave us. It was not what they said, they, it indicated it was. This, it was effective. Yes. Was it at great cost to you? You could say that. Gentlemen, I do not, do not go into a big, long story of things, as they say. 
I, I dedicated my life to things that are not of, uh, not of my sta my status. I dedicated my life to the life of the scholar. And more specifically, I dedicated not only to scholarly pursuits, but to pursuits that many would scoff at. Many ideas and ideals that are at best considered cutting edge and others that are considered rubbish. As you, as you know, I, I take quite the interest in studying the occult, which is what brought me to the Wentworth Club and uh, meeting with you all. And there I have found you and others who are, shall we say, kindred souls, souls that are in search of something else. We all have been touched by something in our lives, myself and you all, that, um, that have allowed us to step away from what most people consider is show. What's the best way to put it? It's trying to, trying to translate it in my head. Um, reality. Yes, we have all chosen to try to escape the mundane. Yes. Something has happened to all of us along the way that uh, put us on this path. For me, it was putting on the path of um, coming up with new concepts in what is considered the occult, in what in specifically what is considered magic. And I have had some experiences, but not like what we had last yesterday. This is the first time I can truly say that I have not only directly encountered true magic, but that I personally have used magic. I have personally I have personally done something that I have been looking for. How can I put it in words? It's when you face your life pursuits and they're right in front of you, it is a sobering situation. Well, we've, yes, we've definitely, in the pursuit of these uh, mysteries of late, opened ourselves to things uh, profound and unwelcome and disturbing. You perhaps more than any of us. What have you learned that we can use and what can we do to bring you comfort? I don't know, but I've learned a lot. And at some time, I'm sure we will go over details in, in more when, when we have a moment. But needless to say, I'll get to some of, some of my points. First point, that, that scroll we were given, it was supposed to be, it said it was a binding 
sort of thing. It was to bind the spirit, not destroy mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. I essentially used that scroll to kill that man. He was no longer a man. Perhaps, but what he was, was someone like us. He, he was a searcher of knowledge. He was a searcher of the occult. He was a searcher of magic. He was no different from us. He could have been one of, one of us. And he made, whether he consciously made the decision or whether he did it by accident, he turned into the specter. And if I recall correctly, there was chance to bring him back as a man. Yes, although was he is the one that prevented us from doing so. Very true, very true. But the, the thing that the fact bothers is me- that his illegal, I'm sorry to interrupt you. The illegal acquisition left him without the full in information regarding the things that he had. So he used them heedlessly and in solitude. You know, he murdered his own manservant violently. Uh, not, that, not that you should not, not that I also don't feel some compunction. I hoped to bring Mr. Ginger back in solid form, but circumstances were not so. That doesn't mean that the squirrel was dishonest. He played with fire and got burnt, it happens. Yes, but we are all playing with fire right now. It is very, it is very obvious here. This could be any one of us. And these, 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 these tranquility cult, these red turbans, they were not entirely honest with us. This thing they gave us, this, this spell, this, this mode of, of, of shifting the reality itself and, 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 and manipulating reality itself, it was not what it was. And I ended up killing that man. That could have been any one of us. It could be someone very similar. It could be someone who was deserving of it, but it could have also been someone who did the wrong thing, was not Again, aware. Vadim, he made a deuced good effort to kill us. It was not. Yes, but only, but only was, after. It was in pitched combat that we met him. Yes, but only after he, he became this shade. Hey. Have you, have you seen this London Gazette? Right here on no, your No, I haven't desk. had a chance to, to look at it. No. Well, it's just odd. I, I just, I was thumbing through this while you were talking there, and I r realized member of expedition committed to Bethlehem has the curse struck again. Our correspondent has learned that just four days ago, police were called to investigate a disturbance at the Hyde Park home of Professor William Punchin, 47, chief translator on the celebrated Thompson King expedition to the oldest Syrian capital, Nineveh. A man, believed to be Punchin himself, was taken away in an ambulance, apparently suffering severe self-inflicted wounds and being not of sound mind. After treating his injuries at the exclusive Lister Hospital, Doctors sent the man directly to Bethlehem Royal, where he remains under close supervision. Reginald Campbell Thompson was unavailable to comment, although a British Museum <laughs> spokesman said that claims of any curses are the products of an overactive imagination 
and that they cannot comment further about speculation over their involvement in a secret expedition back to Nineveh. It's like it just doesn't stop. No, it doesn't. That's the problem. We are into something that we do not understand. And it may be months, years, but this will come back on us. I don't trust these red turbans. They gave us something that said one thing, but turned out to be another. But at the same time, how can we not, shall we say, at least their knowledge? They might be the only chance we have to remove this curse from us. Like them, hate them, dis any indifferent, we might need them. Yes, but they could be using us too. We use people, they use us, we use them. We need the the most important thing is to get the curse lifted. Other than that, curse. He looks matter. at the He looks at the statue. Curse. I think we're dealing with some something that goes beyond what we consider curse. We're dealing with something we don't know anything about. I don't think worse. we're anywhere closer to understanding anything, truthfully. Although I will admit that after our encounter yesterday, I've, I've got some things that, to work on. I have been working on them because I can't do anything else. I can't sleep with that dang damnable thing there. Well, we're going to take this off your hands so you could try and get a night's sleep. B, we're going to go get some food in you. And see, I don't know. <laughs> yes, Vadim, um, uh, your assistant whom we just met seems like a capital yes. fellow. No, he's, he's, I sent away all these servants. He's one of my, uh, my family's, uh, shall we say, uh, compatriots. He occasionally comes here to help me out with uh, matters. Is he a very good cook or do you have one in employ? My cook is, my cook is, he's, he's, he's gone away. I haven't had a cook in, in years. I usually take care of myself. Yes, well, I think, uh, as Cyrus said, I think we have a, a series of important small tasks to accomplish. One is to get you away from this statue. Uh, to get some food on you, possibly, uh, something, you know, calming, um, other than whiskey. I can have uh, Benson and whip up a casserole and bring it over. Is Benson also an excellent cook? He is an excellent cook. He's my cook. Does not surprise me in the least. It's sure, sure, sure. Gentlemen, I'm, I'm working out things here. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm, I, I think you might, however, you know, sometimes when one pours over a problem again and again and again, it becomes a problem of its own. And one needs to step back and allow the mind to refresh itself and then a solution can come. Right um, now you're- so I'm trying to find out the solutions, solutions to, to this whole thing, this, this whole matter, this matter. For now, I'm going to pick up the, the idol off of his desk and say, I'm taking possession of this right now. May, 
just to pull that to me for now because I think it's getting too much to him. But I am more convinced more and more that that curse on idol is not exactly curse. Idol there, the curse is warning. It is warning that idol does not need to be anywhere near here. It needs to go home. It, something needs to be done with it. But I don't trust giving something of this. This idol is more than just curse. It, I think this is key with key and gate. And giving it to red turbans, they are, they are shifty, as they say, shifty. Well, that has been what's kept me from wanting to turn it over so far, Redeem. I do fear that they're, um, like so many ancient Near East cultures, apocalyptic in nature, and that they want to facilitate some apocalypse. And that's why they want to facilitate it. something. I, apocalypse, sir, I, I do not know. But if, plus we have, plus we have other parties out there. Other parties that are, that are involved in this whole matter with Naboo and the temples and the statues and the curses and all this other stuff. Felix, is that, uh, do you want to, make, do you want to call about that casserole? Absolutely. I was going to ask, but may I use your telephone? Yes, yes, yes. Go ahead. Go Excellent. Ahead. Thank you. Thank you. Do you have any particular casserole likes, Vadim? He makes a fine shepherd's pie. That'll work. That'll work. All right. Yes. Let's all have a dram of the scotch. It's a small one. Mm -hmm. um, Glasses in cabinet over there. Go. Thank you. Uh, Cyrus, uh, now that you've taken the statuette, have, what, do you want to put it in uh, this leather satchel that I'm still carrying to keep it out of sight? Yeah. I Ready for transit? That, I think that might be best. So I'll wrap it up, put it in a bag, however we've been storing it, and then just put it out of Vadim's direct eyesight. Right, it I actually goes in. That, I do not it, think that this, 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 uh, this statue is not safe in anyone's hands, even if these red turbans think they know what they're doing, but this is not safe. And it's not this, this curse. This curse is warning. This curse that we face is warning. It is not safe anywhere. And I'd just as well throw it in the ocean if it wasn't for the fact that we don't know what we're dealing with here. I don't know what we're dealing with here. And I've been studying this thing, all this sort of thing, all my life. Quite. Yeah, you're, it's not safe. Uh, it goes in its leather satchel and then to its box and into the, or, or in its velvet cloth, I think, and then its box and then into a satchel. Tom, uh, what we need is way of protection. We need some kind of protection. Do you know the children of tranquility, whom you don't trust, understandably, they might know something about how to protect oneself from the warning that is a curse, that is draining us all. I hate to say it, but there is logic in what you're saying. And I don't like giving this thing away because it, even if we are free of it, we are, I do not think we will be free of it. Look at what happened with the man in the paper. And, and he was, and he was only only marginally involved with this whole with this whole matter. 
And the chap that was on the first expedition, wasn't it seven or nine years later and he's still having the nightmares? Exactly. Distance doesn't change the effect. No. Tom, you yes. said that we were having problems sleeping. Yeah. Would you, would it be fair to say that whether we have the statue or not, we are having sufficiently bad dreams that causes sanity problems, sleep problems? I mean, has it got to the point yet where it doesn't matter if you have the statue or not? Not quite, but it definitely seems to progress continually for all of you. Each yeah, I believe the way it was described earlier is that after it's passed on, we don't really regain, right. we, don't, we don't have nicer and nicer dreams sequentially. We sort of stay where we were, and then the next time it's passed to us, they start getting worse again. I, and I assume we have some sort of organized pattern based at the club, where it's like it goes from so-and-so to so-and-so in a ring to try to minimize the total damage. So we know who should keep but it yes, next. You, you feel like you are all getting to the very end of that, where all of you despise the thing. Right. You, you, you find yourself spending hours trying to go to sleep, thinking about the thing, knowing that it's going to do something to you, and is it going to be even worse tonight? Uh, yeah, you, you, uh, when Vadim says that he'd just as soon throw it into the ocean, it sort of feels like that. You all want to do it, except that you don't know what the result would be. Why not melt it down? We've considered these things. We've considered melting it. We've considered putting it in concrete and then lead and then dropping it from a boat somewhere far away. We've considered giving it to somebody, well, some of us have considered giving it to somebody who is mentally unstable or desperate and letting them be driven insane. Well, but and I don't idea, think any of these are the solution. A lot of those solutions don't remove you from ownership either. Just because you throw it in the ocean doesn't mean that it's right. still. <laughs> if you get the fellow in Nebraska to sign for it, then it's his. But that seemed a sadistic and arbitrary choice. I still stick with the consumption idea. Well, even that one, you don't know if the person dies, does it then revert back to its previous owner? Yeah, but it'll still buy us at least a month or two, and it'll help out his family. <sighs> The yes, poor bastard's going to die regardless. There's no cure for it. Well, at what this point, the whole idea is that you are sacrificing your life and your sanity for a statue. Right. Well, if it's a statue, the problem is we fear it's a key. Right. For all of our sakes, gentlemen, I... God damn it. We're going to have to give these to, these, to those damnable turbots. Exactly. I love those guys and hate them. I love them and they know more than we do. And I hate them because they're shifty and they're not honest. How do we determine whether they want to use the key? I guess that's our question. If, they, if, we, could took, if we could take uh, their word for it, you know, that, oh, we're sorry we barbarically took somebody's tongue out and replaced it with a threatening note. 
in the future will be nicer. We're trying to stop the end of the world. If I believed that, that I would be delighted to give it to them. See, that's the problem. Sorry, John. Yeah, he said he was sorry. <laughs> well, regardless of that, we if we could somehow prove that they're doing the greater good, just as a, an example, if we knew the world was going to explode, every human on this planet was going to die, and we had to each pick 10 people to kill to save the rest of the world, are we evil for picking 10 people at random to kill to save the entire population of human society um you know like maybe it's along those you know they're doing really shitty things but for a good purpose okay well rather than have you continue on this line um and rather than have you do some sort of group idea role because somebody will pass um And without telling you whether you can trust them or not, if they had them for thousands of years and knew where they were, they didn't use them. That was my uncertainty, whether the temple was lost to the Brotherhood and it was only because You know the temple was buried in the ground and Thompson found it. Right. So they might not have known where it was, was, was my concern. You also know that when he found it, they warned him to stay away. And then started killing folks, yes. And we need to get rid of the thing before we all become, you know, mad people chewing at our own broken limbs. Because Reginald, we're going nuts. You already know the answer. Put an ad out. I'd rather that they take it than this other group that's out here because we got another group out there. And I'm, that's the thing that is eating me. We have another group out there, the group that is this Guido, this, this guy exploding his men. They're out there. And it is obvious that with how they treat their people, they're, they're, they're worse than, the, than these Red Turban Brotherhood people, at least in that, in the, in that factor. And... Gentlemen, I, I, I hate to say it, but that let's let the red turbans deal with it and deal with this other this other group. That's so out Dean, there. Maybe they can kill object- each other off. Unless there's an objection, then, gentlemen, I'm going to use Vadim's phone and phone an advertisement into the Evening Times, uh, seeking tranquility. Uh, the golden. Mm. No, not golden. Seeking tranquility. We have what you want. We we have something you need or something like that. Keep it very vague because if Vadim, well, not even if Vadim's right here, we, there is that other group. And if they read it also, they might get to us before we get to them. Hmm. Tranquility, highly important. Contact us. Do not delay. I don't know. Seeking mm. tranquility. Uh, missing figurine. Hmm. No, I don't think we have to worry about everyone in London looking at the small print ads and looking for. I mean, no one's looking for the four winged statue. That's right, the whole reason we're alive. How, how, how about seeking tranquility 
we have a present for you. Yeah, exactly. Oh. That sounds like a Craigslist ad. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, what? No, what? Who? That that guy in uh, downtown London that nails up the you know yeah, by the, the brothel. Oh, bulletin board thing. So the only question I have is where we would, what we want to do the handoff. Then. Same same place. Hmm, Don't know sure. it's you. All right. Because if I didn't, see, we have a present for you, Trafalgar. If I didn't see a guy erupt from inside and and vomit his life out in my face, I'd say put whatever you want in the newspaper. But if they can make something like that happen, they can. We need to be careful because because I I firmly believe that we are being watched by more than these red turbans. No, I think the Guidos have no idea about us, or or we would have already received threats. No, but they know. No they they know about fire. us. They know about us. So uh, here's the, my suggestion: seeking tranquility. We have a present for you, uh, Nelson's column. That can't be misunderstood. Are we in the usual spot? Say you the, the usual spot. Well, that's Nelson's the column in Trafalgar Square. Yes, it's so. too. It's too. It's. Specifically oh, yeah. saying Nelson's sure. columns too is, is so, too. You know, that's right, right. If we want to, if we're worried about enemies, we can just say, I think, I'm sorry, Vadim, I hope this casserole is appetizing because you're, you're very, you're acting a little paranoid. Yeah, the casserole has arrived. Holt has brought it. Very Hoke. Good. Hoke, sorry. Hoke, sorry. I'm, I'm going to meet with, Snickers. I'm going to meet Hoke at the door. Just uh So yeah. we, we're settled on. Seeking tranquility, have a present for you. Same place tomorrow. If anybody figures that out, then we're in much more trouble than we thought. And we only have one more night with this evil little god. And I can take it with me. That's that's perfectly okay to get it out of your hands unless you wanted to look at it some more. Well, I would like to photograph it extensively if that hasn't already happened. That I've taken we, photos. No, probably, you've probably done that, yeah. yeah. I've taken photos. I've taken more rubbings. I've done everything with this standable thing, including the, the stuff you did, Reginald. I think we got plenty on these. Holt gives you the casserole and... Uh, I'm sorry, is that his name, Holt? Holt. Hoke. Hoke. H-O-K-E. Yes, H-O-K-E, Hoke. He gives you not only the shepherd's pie, which is delicious, if any of the rest of you, it's a large nine by uh, 17, actually in metric, it's bigger than that. But uh, it's a nice size, fine British pan, full of shepherd's pie. And we also got you a gift, Vadim, to take your mind off things. Mm. It's wrapped there in about a four inch by four inch box. So if you want to unwrap that. Unwrapping it. Fantastic. And you pull out an Imperial Russian Cloisonnet inkwell. Very nice. Yep. It I haven't seen one of these in years. No, it looks really familiar. Wait I'm a glad minute. You like it. <laughs> Where did you get this? You know what? It's the thought that counts, Vadim. And it is? it's the thought that counts, Vadim. My father ever po- comes up, he's going to be happy to see it. Excellent. <laughs> All right. So some of y'all have some casserole. And, uh, I helped you find that. You eventually go, uh, 
you eventually go back to your respective houses. Who has the statue? Jason? Felix? I believe Felix said he was going to take it. Right. I had it, but I, I think Felix wanted it. So. I do think we have a, we should have a, you know, we have a roster, obviously. So it's whoever had it farthest away. And if we think that's Felix, that's fine. Yeah, I'll I want I want to meet these these red turbans when we hand it over. I want to see what they have to say. Just I want make to speak sure, with them. Try and get some sleep tonight so you have a little bit of clarity when speaking with them, and try not to speak out of turn. We will. I everything in my gut says that we need to be on their good side. That's we need All to right. we need to we need to have some sanity and clarity. That's what we need. Um. Eventually, you all go to bed. You all fall asleep. And you're restless. And you're uncomfortable and you're afraid. And sometime in the middle of the night, you all have a dream. And in this dream, you see a room that's very cluttered. It looks like there's books everywhere. And there's someone sitting on the floor uh, with candlelight all around them. And they have a, a book in front of them. Uh, and it looks like a uh, pencil scratches uh, written written in the book. You can't read it, but you can see that it's probably writing. And suddenly the man begins to scream violently and roll around on the ground. And as he does this, you see blood splattering on the carpet and You wake up. Uh, it was very disturbing looking. Uh, but it was a little different than other dreams that you've had. Uh, it wasn't personally terrifying. It was terrifying, but it wasn't, it wasn't terrifying like the other dreams have been. Um, you wake up, and it's still the middle of the night. And you're, you're more or less able to go back to sleep. However, Felix, you have, a very, you have another very strange dream indeed. You dream that you are sitting in a white room, a large rectangular white room, at the end of a long white dining table. And all of your friends are sitting around the table. I mean, you're your comrades are sitting around the table and uh, uh, Benson and, uh, and your cook, they bring in meals and they set them in front of you and you're looking at every, you're looking at, at everybody and all of a sudden uh, Reginald says, Oh my God, don't move. 
and everybody freezes in their position, including you. And Benson opens up the door. Everything is white. He opens up the door and a cockroach the size of a German shepherd crawls into the room, partly on the wall, partly onto Benson, hops up onto the table and starts moving towards your face. It's little things going like this. And just as it gets to you, you wake up terrified. So you don't sleep very well that night. It's just more of these nasty, weird, horrible dreams. So it's the next day. Shall we, shall we skip breakfast and just say that you all gather together to go take the statue? Oh, yeah. All right. Oh, yeah. No further argument. All right. So you end up at Trafalgar Square about 1130. Uh, you see no sign of, of any of the Brotherhood. But you're standing next to the statue, and just like clockwork, right about noon, uh, you see uh, Azar stepping out of the crowd. And he's got a smile on his face. Uh, he walks up to you and he says, uh, gentlemen, uh, I'm very surprised to hear from you so soon. Uh, you seem to indicate that you had something for me. Yes, uh, when you um, uh, referred yesterday to the barbaric behavior that some of your brethren engaged in earlier, that circumstance caused us to be secretive about an artifact that presumably you were interested in. Do you know of the golden figure? You're talking about a small golden statue? Yes, the unusual statuette. Yes, that is also one of the things that was taken. You know where this is. Ah. I'm, I'm afraid we do. Do you know what to do to make it harmless? If we knew how to make something like that harmless, we would have done it a long time ago. What about helping those affected by it? It affects people who own it. And once ownership is transferred, it would stop affecting us? You seem to know a great deal about this. Do you have the statue? We know who does. Have you been um, experiencing horrible dreams? Surely you've noticed our pallor. Yes. It's a very dangerous object. It should be also put back into our care. It'll be taken care of. Do you but have... Oh, Go ahead, please. I was just going to say, but how can we be taken care of? I'm afraid any damage that you've taken, it might take time for it to go away. But, but the nightmares obviously you, aren't, you aren't insane. So but this close, buddy. And the dream should stop once it's out of your possession. 
What prevents the dreams from poisoning you? Uh, well, I won't own it. It will go back into the Brotherhood's keeping. Someone in the Brotherhood must own, must, must be in possession. We tried the collective route and it just plagued the collective. It will go back to a place where uh, such things will be taken care of. Besides, we are willing to give our lives for this. That's why we don't trust you, my friend. Your willingness to give your life to a cause makes us anxious because we understand that there is a gate and a key. And this thing seems very much like a terrible key. It's not particularly a key, but it is part. I can't tell you everything now, but you are getting deeper into this. Perhaps there will come a time when we can explain to you how much danger you are actually in at this point in time. No, you can go. Mr. Udine, I appreciate that you are warning us out of some generosity as well as secrecy. I think you should understand that we are hopelessly involved in this. And let me get together with my, uh, my uh, superiors and discuss it with them. Uh, but if you have this statue, it's imperative that you get rid of it. Otherwise, you'll all go insane. We have suffered, my, uh, my good man. We have suffered. Um, gentlemen, are we ready? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I'll, I'll wink at Cyrus and he'll give the high sign to Felix and Felix will, will appear. Come on down, but you know, I wave to... I walk out from the alleyway, I've got a sack. And inside of that sack is the statue. All right. Are you going to show it to him or just hand him the sack? I'm just going to hand him the sack. He right. can open it and look. It's, it's in here. It is in there. Well, then let it be relief to you that I take possession of it. Possession okay. is yours. I'm going to look down in the bag and say, you hear, it, he's taking possession of it. Don't you. talk to it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> if it answers you, you're dead. <laughs> um, I had another question. We ran across a couple of individuals. They were American, I mean British. And um, when I questioned them, they were about to say who their leader's name was, and they erupted from inside and died violently, twice. Two separate people on two separate occasions. Just by, uh, one was about to speak the name, the other was about to write the name, and they both died the same death, and I described. Do a psychology role on him. Oh, that's not going to be good. Yeah, I have 10% chance. So. Can I try for psychology? Uh, I got a 10. Okay. <laughs> um, his physical and facial reaction, when you say that, it looks like he's suddenly extremely concerned 
like you've just told him something that he had no idea was going on. And it's that sort of look like, oh, well, shit, that means that we're more, that there's more going on here than we know about. Friend, friend, I wish to, analyzing the situation, I do believe uh, that we are dealing with uh, someone who has uh, quite the, uh, shall we say, occult adeptitude. Pray that there is not such a thing going on, because the magic you're talking about is quite... I told you we're in deep, and this has happened twice already. Let me speak to my... It is already happening. I look him straight in the eyes and say, it is already happening, it is here. Well, that's why we are here. All right, let me talk to my superiors, and I will... Thank you for this. Be careful. I do think individual may not just be Dabbler. I think he is, he is the closest thing to what one would call a warlock. Be, be careful, my friends. I wouldn't want to see you harmed now. Now, that's very charming. I reach out to shake his hand. Um, he doesn't really understand the handshake, but he, he, he handshakes you and sort of gives you a bow. I bow back. He, uh, he turns around and walks away. Uh, I've been meaning to ask this. Uh, I'm curious about whether or not his accent, his educated English-speaking accent, it, gives it me a clue like as to where he studied. It sounds studied. like it, but it's definitely got that uh, that Arab twang to it. Right, but but I but I can probably tell. Well, there's a chance I could tell whether it was an Oxford education or an education in the Near East through an. English school. That's more likely. Uh, mm-hmm. It doesn't. He doesn't sound like a, a an Oxford person. But I can go to a library and try to figure out if there is an Azaradeen that I can track. Maybe at some point. Because he had because he graduated from someplace. He's a very he's a very fancy dapper little man. Well, and you also do get the strong impression that if this sect has existed for a long time, that some of them are still rather in a primitive state and some of them are probably incorporated into society and they're, they're pulled in if they need to be. And he would be one of those, obviously. He's pretty young, I recall. Yeah, he's not that old. Maybe in his 30s. I can't remember what I told you before, but yeah, he's... Yeah. He's not an old man. He does have a beard right. and a mustache, but it's neat. Hmm. All right. Well, uh, I think we should celebrate our freedom from that damn thing. Yeah, you all do feel definitely like a weight yeah. off your... We have freedom from thing, but we do not have total freedom. You can also uh, get back three sanity points for giving that to him. Well, that went a little better than I actually expected. Yes, it's complicated because, again, this, you know, these tranquility people are not uh, what we'd call polite folk. But the Sudin fellow seems to be quite, relatively quite reasonable. And I feel, I feel like I might 
in a couple I'm of days. He looked actually for concerned. 10 hours. I was just going to say, we might get a half night's sleep finally. Yeah, in a couple of days. So let's have a whiskey and, um, I don't know, the more of that casserole. And then we've got to figure out what to do about Mr. Punchin. I just got a copy of his book. Um, he's a, an authority. Uh, and he may know something that is useful to us. But I yes, don't know if they'll let us see him as, at Bethlehem. We should give it time before we uh, discuss with him because if he is suffering as he is, might not be in position to talk. Vadim, you are in no position to talk. Um, oh, people don't seem to. Just, some people seem to die, so we might. It might be better to talk to him while we actually can. Uh, Bethlehem Royal is also referred to as Bethlehem. Uh, it was established, I think, in the. 1200s and it has that reputation of being well until recently nightmarish you know this is where all the lunatics are locked up at this point in time you know that there that all of the really violent dangerous lunatics are locked up there but there are also a lot of areas of it that are for just people suffering from mental illness. And in fact, some more wealthy people go there to, you know, recuperate if they've had some sort of thing. So there's degrees. Of the point. Also the inconvenient wives of wealthy men, notoriously. Yeah. Who will suffer from hysteria? Uh, yeah, I think, I mean, I, you know, I, I think that we should, um, as a group, take a moment to recuperate and feel a bit of relief that we have survived uh, the difficulties we've undergone. But I, but Mr. Punchin, you know, his his translation is from 1911, so he's harbored whatever for this long period of time. His sudden and if it is if the papers can be trusted aggression against himself suggests some change in circumstance that I think is worthy of our investigation. Sounds like he got involved in something on his own accord. It's a possibility. Also, things accrue. Again, imagine if we kept the statue between us another five months. <laughs> We'd be in Bedlam too? I, I, I'm trying to remember something. Did you at one point try to look him up and he was out of the country. Yeah. I believe so. Yeah. Ooh, if he was out of the country, maybe he went back to Naboo. The temple, I mean. Not... No, that makes a great deal of sense. Yeah. Which For fourth was... reason. Yeah, we couldn't find him and then he you know, his name turned up first on the book that I took from Ginger's library. Yep. And then the next day he's in the paper Starkers. Also, the idea that he's physically attacking himself could mean more than one thing, given what we've seen. 
I say better sooner than later. Maybe one of those crazies in the in the in Bedlam get to him before we can. I I, I don't put anything past anybody at this point. Didn't we send Simkin down to Bedlam also? Yes. Mm-hmm. So now Double we got dip. a pair down there. Yeah, we have a friend we can visit. And he, mm-hmm. I'd be itched to see whether he's improved at all. I mean, we did the best we could for him. Yeah. Hmm. But that's a good means of admission. The fact that we brought a patient in ourselves. Right. Who was speaking to us, you know. Who, you know. And hopefully he still remembers us. Yeah, but if we go in to see him, I think either the patient's brought to our room or we're walked directly to their quote, you know, cell, for lack of a better word. I don't think we're going to be able to wander a loony bin. Happily, I have little experience inside madhouses. Um, but I found so far that it could be surprising how readily one gets about a place. With a little ingenuity. Well, I've been known to end up in the back hallways. And frankly, we, you know, he probably has a Wentworth Club associate, and we could say, "Ah, oh, Mr. Punchin, he knows Mr. Thompson. We know Mr. Thompson. We've come to see Mr. Punchin." Mm-hmm. Well, you're right in assuming that you'll have to find some way to let to make the, to to let them let you see a patient, you know. Obviously, some patients don't have any visitors because they're insane or, (laughs) you know, um, the doctors are probably the best way if you can. Uh, In this day and age, you know, as far as psychiatric uh, or psychological help for these people, they're willing to entertain a lot of ideas. So if you're a source of information for them, then that'd help. All right. So is that something, now it's past noon. Is that something you're going to look into today or tomorrow? I'm assuming that we're, you know, eating, drinking, being merry. Right. uh, Exchanging some notes, you know, as long as Vadim doesn't seem to get overexcited. We hear about some of his theories, but we're going to try to take a sedative and start again. Okay. And see what happens the first night after the statue's gone, because who knows? The dreams could all get worse, and we'll know we've been betrayed. That night, as you go to sleep, everybody do powwows. Nine. Extreme. I Nine. fell by one point. Can I use luck or just just how about the rest of you? Yeah, regular success. Vadim. Jerry, you're you're muted. So are you, Vadim. I made it uh, barely sixty-eight out of um fifty-eight out of sixty. Failed miserably. Okay. Those of you who passed, you sleep like a rock. Those of you who failed, you pretty much sleep like a rock. I was just trying to freak you out. Um, (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, you wake up in the morning. I'm not so sure that you're all completely rested as far as recovered, but it, but you feel relieved that you are in fact slept through the night. A palpable difference from yeah night terrors and exhaustion. Well, that's a good sign, I think, personally. And so I'm going to perform my ablutions and head down to the club. Okay. I'm eventually going to make it there after doing some um, notes and study. I'm going to bring my volume of punchins as well and the other one that I took from Ginger's home. Okay. Uh, and if I get there before others, I'm going to uh, poke about the library and see if anything I can learn anything else about punching. Um, well, uh, yeah. What you learn about punching is that he was—he's an accomplished um, uh, expert on cuneiform language, uh, the cuneiform, various types of it. Perhaps the leading—the uh, leading scholar on it currently. Um, that he'd been on numerous uh, expeditions, uh, that he was definitely uh, a favorite of Thompson's as far as uh, as far as going, you know, as far as his expertise. Uh, probably, uh, well, most definitely better than Thompson at uh, translation. Uh, that he was well respected by the uh, the museum and the community. Uh, and that he had offices at the museum. How old is he? Uh, he's, let's see, this is age. This is age. He's substantially older than Thompson or? Uh, 66. And we don't have, there's nothing to suggest that he's had any mental illness before this. No. And has he published anything between the secret expedition and now? Very, very little. Yeah. So he, yeah, he's been quiet. All right, that's all of interest. Also, I'd like one of those um, omelets with the the you know the little green peppers in them, okay. and a very strong coffee. Do a do a luck roll. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the wrong mushrooms. Do you, do you want to spend 23 luck to get those little green peppers? <laughs> I found this them is the peppers. Wentworth, for God's <laughs> sakes. The Wentworth. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> so the rest of you join him. Um, do any of you want to do any research or find anything out? All right. So you all meet up at the Wentworth Club. Uh, Reginald's having his uh, little peppered uh, omelet. And I assume your plan today is to make contact or somehow go to Bedlam. Well, also, I'd like to find out... Um, gentlemen, yes, I think we should look into Mr. Punchin and his circumstances. Uh, how, by the way... How did you sleep? Like a rock. Decent enough. I had a, a, a little dream 
a little dream about, uh, I don't know, a farm and a leaf blowing. It was the most peaceful thing I've experienced in the last six months. I closed my eyes and woke up in the morning. It, like, don't remember a thing, but it was perfect because I didn't remember a thing. For once in a long time, I've been able to make connections. Perhaps we made a, good. a reasonable choice. Perhaps. Perhaps. Although I will say I, I got a little bit, I'm not, I'm not going to lie, I got a little bit of satisfaction in the fact that uh, we uh, surprised those red turbans. They gave us a surprise, we gave them a surprise. You know, frankly, that was somewhat enjoyable. They're so omniscient. Mm. Such smug little weird whatevers. It was mm. nice to, to pull one over on them. Um, I was, I've been reading about uh, Punchin a bit. Um, he's mostly as you expect. Uh, and I also looked at his book and I'm very impressed by his acumen and intelligence. I wonder if we should look into his uh, personal situation before we try to approach the hospital. I don't know if he's got a widow or a wife or I mean, not a widow yet. Family at least. Yeah, some family or some colleagues that would help us get in. If he had a widow. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> yeah. Um, and feel like that seems like the sort of thing that you might be, you know, particularly good at figuring out. Oh yeah, I can cruise over and see if he's got anybody there. Is this uh, his status in general is, and if there's anything that will help us um, provide us with entree to his padded cell or whatever it is. Okay. Yeah, I was just looking back to see if we had his his address, but I don't think that we ever. We only knew where he was, but not a street address, I believe. Yeah. He was in a suburb. Correct. Yes, you are correct. I wonder if he's listed. Let's look in the phone book. All right. Uh, he is in fact listed. Over there. Uh, Professor Willard Punchin, uh, Harwick Street, Finsbury, in Central London. F Finsbury, you say? Yeah. Hmm. That's not too terribly far from here, is it? No. Is there a, is there a house number, or is it just he, he has the whole street? Uh, it looks like it is a. Uh, yeah, there's a there's a number. It's okay. it's a it's not a, it's not a house. It looks like it's probably a. Uh, not an apartment, but uh, a, a big house that's been converted into multiple apartments, a maisonette. He, he's on the second floor. Okay, second floor, Harwick Street, maisonette. He was. Now he's on the fourth floor of the madhouse. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll cruise over there. Uh, I, I didn't wanna, I just had something small I knew it was going to take a while for the peppers on the omelet, so I just got a little, I just grabbed a bagel. What? 
it, it's it's a small red light thing. It's, they're pretty big overseas right now. I had them boiled, if in. I'm not mistaken. Well, I had them shipped in. Yeah, it's like boiled bread, and then they bake it. And it's it seems like a lot of work for nothing. It really, you know what? I'm just gonna go now. <laughs> what if Blur's yeast is good on it? I'm going it's to cool. Finsbury. All right. So you're heading over to Punchin's flat. And what are the rest of you guys going to do? Uh, I'm going to um, secrete myself in one of the smaller uh, library rooms upstairs and okay. uh, take Punchin's book and the uh, other studies in Africa and begin translating the rubbings. Okay. One copy thereof. Okay. Leaving another in the house safe. Uh, what you know at this point is that they're going to be a little difficult, but obviously, um, obviously Ginger had managed to translate. Uh, Although perhaps imperfectly, and that might be one of the reasons that he suffered that, the way he did. That's correct. But it's, it, it would, it'll take you a while. Oh, yeah, this is going to be a two hours of morning while I'm free. It, and there's no hurry because I don't want to use it. Right. I just want to have it. I'm going to start with the um, the tablets that reclaim the shadows, okay. for that matter. And I'll be comparing against what, you know, his partial translation should help. Okay. But that's, yeah, that's just an ongoing nothing. Cyrus and Fuller and Vadim. I'm going to find a big oversized chair, all of the daily newspapers, a pot of coffee and some of that boiled bread and see if I can find anything unusual in the daily, you know, maybe the previous day and today's papers okay. and drink coffee, relax and read. I'll but looking, Cyrus. looking for suspicious anything. I'll help Cyrus. Thank you. Okay. I'm going to be nearby where I can be in touch with uh, any of the guys who are still at the club All right. and I'm going to be starting to go mentally into who in the occult community I know who I could uh, potentially discuss uh, things with because in, uh, in Vadim's mind he wants to maybe get a better handle on who could potentially be this other party out there Okay, and he knows that they're occult related he also knows a lot of the occult community is is bogus, but he also knows that there's quite a quite a few people who know things. On top of that, he also wants to try and look for maybe any other parties who have um, some clue on how to handle um, matters in case if we come across a, another curse or another okay. situation. I remember that most of the Wentworth Club is occult people. I mean, yes, yes. I mean, other than, well, looking outside the Wentworth Club, because he's right. pretty much familiar with the club, but he's kind of looking outside and going, you know, doing a checklist on things. All right, so that's what you're up to. Yes. Uh, Fuller and Cyrus, uh, you find a few additional smaller pieces concerning Punchin uh, that the police had been called uh, by a neighbor and that uh, Punchin uh, had been taken uh, first to the hospital, first to the regular hospital, and then to Bedlam. 
Uh, but that's that's all that you find out. You might find that through a number of different articles. Um, some of them more sensational than others, because it's news. Uh, let's see, Felix. All right, uh, you drive over to Punchin's flat, and it is a red brick building. Um, uh, it says it, it's a, a, a Georgian affair. See, this is the way the scenario is written. I don't know what that means, but okay. It's a Georgian affair. Uh, it's actually a, a very nice looking little building. It's so well maintained. Um, but it looks like there's probably uh, maybe four different apartments that are there. And it's occupied. You're, you're, you're pretty sure he's on the second floor. But you're not sure that you would, at least not in the middle of the day, be able to get in there without somebody noticing. There are mailbox right out front on the side wall. Yeah. And does any of it, is it mailbox style or is it, say, punch it? Yeah, it says punch in. It's in, it's in uh, he's in number two on the second floor. Makes sense. And it's a fairly good size. So it's it's probably a nice size little flat. Okay. I'm He's not walk... fabulously wealthy. So. Right, right, right. <laughs> I'll walk up to uh, the second floor there. And we go to the door. Okay. And I'll say loud enough for I, i'm i'm assuming here that the other apartment is directly across like it would be door to door if i'm correct looking at this door correct. the other door would be right behind me i'm gonna go to that door and i'm gonna first i'm gonna say let's see here yes i'll go to the door and i say willard Willard, it's me. Let me in. I forgot my key. Uh, there's I say it loud enough to where the person that lives in the flat behind me currently would also overhear me. Okay. Um, you can hear somebody walking around in the other apartment. But I, in fact, do I, it does sound like they're coming towards their door. Perfect. Now I'm going to knock on the door of Willard. Okay. And say, Willard, come on, I forgot my key. Um, the door behind you opens, and it's a middle-aged woman. Uh, she looks kind of frumpy and uh, uh, like she's in something. And all she does is she says... Uh, she says, ah, oh, he's not there. Oh. They took him to the hospital the other night. Oh, I was expecting him to already be back. I locked my key inside. Oh, I don't think he's coming back. Why do you say that? Well, he was raving. He was, he was screaming. He was out of his mind. Was he angry? No, I think that he was... He was loony. What did he say? Well, the police took him away. And uh, I mean, they, they took him to the, uh, I imagine they took him to the booby hatch. 
She says, look, um, she says, I was, uh, I was in here and it was, uh, middle of the night. Uh, you know, uh, I, I'm surprised I've never seen you here before because he doesn't usually have very many visitors. He's kind of a private man, professor, you know. Uh, yeah, I work shifts and I, I'm usually in at odd hours that I, I rarely, I don't think you and I have even met. Well, and you know, he's not here all the time. Yeah. But, uh, of his cat. but over the, over the last couple of months, he's been here a lot. That's probably why I haven't seen you. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh, he ain't got no cat. It's, it's my cat. We, we have a cat. I have a cat and I need to get in. You haven't heard my cat. No, that's I haven't why, heard a cat. That's why it's so important that I get in there. I got to get in. Oh my gosh. And the police, I'm sure, didn't let my cat out. Well, I haven't seen no cat. No, it's in there. He's inside. He's locked in. Well, I don't know how you're going to get in there. Well, Mr. Meowkins is not going to be able to open the door himself. You should probably call the police and see if they'll let you in. I will. I'm going to go. I'll, I'll go use that phone box outside. He's like, you know, she's like, all right. She says, I, uh, I, I wish you some luck, but, uh, if you want to see a friend, he's at the hospital. All right. And what was your name? I didn't, I didn't catch your name. Marion Sheverton. Marion Sheverton. You look like a Marion Sheverton. She says, yeah, this, you don't get much excitement around here. She says, middle of the night. He started screaming. He woke me up. I, uh, I came over here. I, uh, I, uh, uh, his door was locked. Uh, I tried to get him to answer, but, uh, I only heard him uh, yelling and gasping for breath. I thought he was having a heart attack. What was he yelling? Anything in particular or just, just yelling? Just, just yell? yelling. So I ran across the street to my friend Geraldine's house and I telephoned the police. Huh. And they just came and took him right away. Oh yeah. Well, they came to find out what was wrong when they right. they uh they got gained entry. Hmm. Um actually we would have busted down the door. Um so maybe the door is not in perfect condition. But in any case, she says uh she says anyway they uh they took him away, kicking and screaming. It was all covered in blood. Oh. Did they rough him up? Oh, no, they didn't do that to him. He was that way when he came came out. Looked like he'd cut himself all over. Ooh. Well, now I'm really worried about Mr. Meowkins. I got to get in there. Uh, goodness. Is there a... Does this, does the, is there a supervisor or something that runs the building? No, no. These are all privately owned. Oh, okay. All right. Well, all right. Well, Marianne, I, I uh, really appreciate it. Felix, do a spot hidden roll. Twelve. You've been scoping the building out. So you can tell of ways that you could get into the apartment without raising too much trouble. Um, 
there's a fire escape. There's, you know, as long as you didn't wake this one up, mm-hmm. who seems to be rather nosy and have her nose and everything, then you'd probably get into the apartment, but you can't do it right now. No. That's actually what I was shooting for is to draw her out. Right. All right. Well, yeah, I'm just going to be on my way then. I'm going to wish uh, Marion Sheverton a frumptastic day, and I'm going to be on my way. Frumptastic. Well, and she lets you frump leave. <laughs> I'll just go out the front door. <clears throat> <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's actually a good spot to stop. It's a little anticlimactic, but you're set up for the next episode. I think that's a good spot. So, our players included Jason Melnichok, John Byram, Ford Fitch, Jerry Bryant, and David Gassaway, with yours truly as a keeper of the secrets. We're currently producing up to five shows a week with music and sound effects added in post-production in order to create a richer listener experience. We provide audio-only versions of our shows free for you to download from Podbean or iTunes. The costs involved with our show are provided almost entirely by our patrons. Without them, we wouldn't be able to do what we do. If you'd like to support our show, visit our Patreon account. Just a dollar to a month helps us a lot. You can find a link in the description below. Like, share, and subscribe to our channel and punch that bell icon for updates on our latest shows. And leave us some comments. We enjoy reading them and answering any questions you might have. This is Tom Rayleigh, together with all the members of our gaming club, inviting you to journey with us once again into the darkness for another adventure into the universe of HP Lovecraft and the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. Until next time, good luck and good gaming. Thank you.